For the week of June 20th, 2017, this is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Stephen Cox. Hello. On this week's show, Angel Padilla, the policy director of Indivisible, joins us from Washington, D.C. to help clarify exactly what we here in Washington State can be doing right now to help support the health care fight that is currently going on in the Senate. We will also have our call to action, which, hey, spoiler alert, it's fighting Trump care. And we will also have our dose of good news. Angel Padilla is the policy director for National Indivisible, and he joins us now to talk about Indivisible's strategy for pushing back against the Trump care bill currently being rewritten in the Senate. Uh, Angel Padilla, welcome. Thank you. So I will start this discussion by noting that time is of the essence here. Uh, According to a tweet that I read on Monday by Topher Spiro of the Center for American Progress, uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is planning on a vote on Trump care as early as next week. So I want to talk about specific strategies in a moment. But first, I'd like to frame all of this by asking you to tell us what is likely to happen if this bill does clear the Senate. Sure. Uh, if it does to the Senate. Well, so if it does get through the Senate, it's not over still because there will be differences between the Senate bill and the, the House passed bill. Those different differences need to be reconciled. And so what usually happens is either uh, there's a conference committee where there's, you know, Democrats and Republicans from, from both chambers get together and they hammer out the, the differences and then they both have to vote on it again. So the Senate and the House has to take another vote. Um, what's more likely in this case is that the, the House will basically swallow whatever the Senate passes. So if this gets passed the Senate next week, um, it'll go back to the House and there's going to be so much pressure on Republicans in the House to pass this and get it behind them, that they'll they'll swallow whatever comes out of the Senate. So that's, I think, the most likely outcome if it gets through the Senate next week. Yeah, no representative wants to be the one to stand in the way of this thing getting through Republican representatives. So, so th- the reason why I've called you on the show is because I've I've heard a little bit of confusion from people in terms of what members are being asked to do, specifically in a state here like Washington, with two Democratic senators who have both uh, already come out against the repeal of Obamacare. Uh, On the Indivisible website, you outline two specific strategies. The first is to ask our senators to resist through procedure or what is called withholding consent. Both of our Democratic senators, Patty Murray and Maria Cantwell, held the floor uh, Monday night and into Tuesday morning talking extensively about health care. Is this essentially what Indivisible has in mind? Yeah. So, I mean, and we should, uh, it's always good to clarify exactly what, why we're using the strategy. So something to keep in mind is that Republicans are negotiating this bill behind closed, closed doors in complete secrecy right. without transparency, without public hearings. And so that is going to keep happening. Um, Mitch McConnell is wrangling up the necessary votes behind the scenes and that's going to keep on going. The problem is the, the, no one's talking about this bill. It's just happening, and there's not enough action. There's not enough attention being focused on what's what's actually happening in the Senate. Now, Democrats, it's not enough for Democrats to say that they oppose this bill. It's not enough to say that they will vote against it. This is about people's lives. They're talking about 20, 30 million people that are going to lose their coverage and estimates of, you know, 40,000 people who will die because of lack of insurance every year if this bill becomes law. I mean, it's a serious, serious thing. Uh, and so what we're saying is that Democrats need to do more. They need to show leadership. They need to show boldness. And one way they can do this is to resist through uh, withholding consent. They, Even though they can't stop the process in those back rooms, what they can do is highlight the fact that this is happening behind closed doors. They can draw attention to this, and they can stop all other Senate business uh, until we get public hearings. Now, uh, 
we understand that again that this is um it doesn't affect the actual negotiations happening in the back room but it's a way to bring attention and focus back to this issue and so that's why we're asking for de- democrats to withhold consent slow down senate business to to show um you know not only other senators but also the public about how important this situation and this moment is right now maybe the more intriguing option is asking our senators to filibuster by amendment something that is also called a vote arama uh, and this is possible because of the way that a reconciliation vote works uh, can you quickly walk us through that yeah so the only reason the only way that uh, Republicans can get this bill through through Congress through the Senate is through reconciliation because there's a lower threshold for for approving it. And we're talking about 50 votes as opposed to 60 votes, right? 50 votes as opposed to 60. And so that makes it easier for them to pass. The one one catch, and there, I think there are a few catches, but one catch is that they have to uh, go through this thing called Voterama. Basically, uh, senators can offer amendments on that resolution, and there's basically an unlimited number of amendments that they can offer. Um, and so what we're saying is, you know, that's an opportunity for, for Democrats to overwhelm them with amendments. Right. They have to consider these amendments. And um, and that's an opportunity to, to, to show not only Republicans that they that we want and we demand a hearing on this, but it's also using the Senate procedure to, to again, to try to slow down this process. That's something that I need to make clear, because I think we've gotten a lot of questions about this is, you know, can Mitch McConnell get around this? And the answer, the hard truth is, yes, Mitch McConnell can basically change the rules and say we're not going to offer, we're not going to consider any more amendments. But that just goes to the way that this is being run. Republicans are doing this in secrecy, and they are going to have to change the rules in order to keep this out of the public spotlight. Has this, to your knowledge, ever been tried before as a procedural move? So I I think the last time we had one of these big votaramas was in 2015. But what usually happens is senators get tired after like midnight, and they're like, okay, let's all agree to stop taking amendments. And then they stop uh, because it's late and they want to go home. Right. Um, and so, again, this kind of speaks to this this idea that Democrats just aren't doing enough. Right. Uh, you don't agree to go home and go sleep because it's midnight when you can when you can delay the process further. Also, you're asking members to go on the Indivisible Guide website to offer some amendments of their own at ouramendments.org. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this is really cool. So we uh, we drafted an amendment, and this is a real amendment. It actually does. You can plug this into the health care bill, the House passed uh, Trump care bill. It is a is a real amendment. Uh, and so what we're we have this on our website. It's on ouramendments.org, and constituents can go onto this website, enter their name, and then it populates this amendment. And what it does is it, if it gets adopted, it would protect that person from losing their health coverage from. Uh, being discriminated against because of a pre-existing condition from losing Medicaid funding. That's what the amendment does. Uh, now, again, it would have to be considered and adopted, but this, these are the, every one of these amendments represents a person that's affected by this bill. And so what we want is to collect as many as we can. If we can get 40,000 of these amendments, because they, they would get considered, um, theoretically, they could get considered in the, in the Senate, it could delay the process while they're going through these amendments. You know, I want to just ask quickly about a couple of talking points. Um, insanely enough, yeah. Trump himself said that the bill that passed the House is, quote, mean. And then Florida Senator Marco Rubio says that he wants more transparency in what's happening with the bill. Are those things that can be used as talking points when calling our senators? Yeah, I mean, so look, I think what that shows when Donald Trump goes out there and says that the the House passed bill is mean, one, it confirms what we all knew, that it's a cruel, cruel bill that does nothing 
but takes away, rips healthcare away from millions of people uh, and would cause a lot of hardship for a lot of American families, uh, you know, confirms that. But then, two, it shows Republicans that Donald Trump is not out there backing them up. So they're taking these tough, tough votes uh, and they're getting thrown under the bus by their own president. Um, it's a stupid bill. It harms a lot of people. Uh, there, there's no reason to do this. No one wants this bill, but they just want to, they want to give, get some political points after seven years of talking about repeal. So yes, I mean, when we, when you talk to your senators, I mean, this is the point. This is, no one wants this bill. It's cruel. It doesn't make any sense. If they're serious about healthcare, then they need to actually have hearings. They have to hold hearings, have expert testimony, uh, and come up with a decent bill. There are a number of senators who are on the fence about the bill, and I will be uh, listing that on the SoundCloud page. Um, why why they might be on the, the, the fence about the bill is sort of something of a mystery since nobody knows exactly what's in it. But uh, we all have friends around the country who might be willing to make calls, and we can encourage them to do that. But just to be clear, you're not encouraging people who don't live in those states to call, correct? Correct. So our, uh, you know, the most important thing is for you to contact your own senator. They're the ones who are in Washington representing you, and they're the ones who actually listen to you. If you call, for example, Mitch McConnell's office, he doesn't care. He just does not care what you think because you're not his constituent. Not in Kentucky, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and I think that's just the hard truth, and it's frustrating for a lot of groups who feel like, oh, my, my Democrat is already doing the right thing. Um, the question is whether they're doing enough for you. Um, but that being said, there are certain states where you're right. There are some senators that are, are still undecided, even though there's no bill, there's no tax, no CBO score. And they're on the fence uh, on this. Uh, and we have a website. Uh, it's called TrumpCare10.org, where it has a list of those senators from those states and specific state information. So it has things like how many people in Alaska would lose their Medicaid coverage? How much the premium will increase next year if this becomes law? Um, how many people with uh, private insurance are at risk of losing their health coverage if this bill becomes law? So we have all that on our website, uh, TrumpCare10.org. And we also have daily call scripts for people to to call uh, their senators. Absolutely. And like I say, we all know people in other states. So we will encourage people to go to TrumpCare10.org and forward that information along to them where applicable. Um, Is there anything else that people can or should be doing? Uh, I know the website mentions letters to the editor. Any other final thoughts or actions to recommend? Yeah, so we, um, you know, I guess the, 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 what I would want to stress is that this is the moment. I know that it seems like there's just like a fire every week and, and this healthcare <laughs> yeah. fight has been going on for months. I totally understand that. And, and we definitely understand that there's a lot of frustration out there. Um, this is this is basically it. This is the moment. The next, you know, eight to 10 days are going to be the, the days that do it. You know, whether we win or we lose this, uh, if, again, if it gets through the Senate, it's going to become law. And so, we need to stop it here. And, there, and, you know, the things that we're hoping that groups will do and individuals and, and, and constituents will do, uh, you know, things like calls, like nonstop calls, go, go to district offices and talk to your, to your senators and talk to their staff, uh, letters to the editor, you know, convey uh, publicly how that you'll be harmed by this bill. And then also sit-ins. We're telling, you know, we have 6,000 groups and what we're trying to get them to do is do sit-ins to show senators how important this is. And if you if you see some of those town halls, the ones that we've seen over the last few months, there's so much passion in those in those interactions with senators and, and members. And it's because this is a life and death thing. This is a visceral thing. And that's the kind of passion uh, that we need right now. And that's the kind of passion that we also need Democratic senators to take with them to Washington, to the to the Senate floor. Angel Padilla, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Yeah, thanks for having me.
And we will wrap up on this week's call to action. But first, our dose of good news. And yeah, actually, in the face of everything, there really has been some good news. There were a number of setbacks and roadblocks for Roll 45 this week, starting with the nearly 200 Democratic members of Congress, as well as the Maryland and Washington, D.C. attorneys general, who filed two separate lawsuits against Trump for violating the emoluments clause of the Constitution, based on, in part, and this is a bit of wonderful irony, the income from Trump's D.C. hotel that he insisted upon opening before his inauguration. Also, Muslim Ban 2.0 has been blocked yet again by the Ninth Circuit. I don't know about you, but I sleep slightly better at night knowing that the circuit courts have been the one thing to consistently keep Trump in check, at least on this one issue. And finally, the Senate voted last week 97 to 2 to curtail Trump's power to unilaterally scale back sanctions on Russia. Why the two dissenters, Mike Lee and Rand Paul, decided that what Trump needs is more unilateral power is a mystery, one that, in a just world, would be answered at the ballot box. Well, actually, in a just world, the issue wouldn't have even come up for a vote. But as therapist Robin Chancer said on last week's show, we shall accept what we cannot change and work to change what we can. And so for this week's call to action. And, well, you heard what Angel Padilla said. It is all hands on deck for health care. So let's just sum up the game plan here. We will continue to keep up the call volume on both of our senators so that they know that we have their backs as they continue to withhold consent in the Senate. It'd also be a good thing to thank each of them for holding the floor on Monday night and Tuesday morning. Also, let's ask them both to participate in the filibuster by amendment. And one way to help out there is to head over to ouramendments.org and fill in your own personal amendment to be added. And if you or someone you know has a personal story about how the ACA has helped you and what you stand to lose if it and or Medicaid goes away, get that story to our senators, ideally on their website or via email, since, as we have said, time is of the essence here. Personal stories matter. Word is that it was a personal story that drove Obama to pass the ACA. So there you go. And like Angel mentioned, if you have any friends or relatives who live in the 10 states with senators who are on the fence about Trump care, you can head to TrumpCare10.org. That is TrumpCareTen.org. They've got a ton of great info that you can forward along. Call scripts, statistics by state about how many people would be affected if the ACA goes away. Uh, for the record, the senators currently listed as on the fence are Susan Collins of Maine, Lisa Murkowski and Dan Sullivan of Alaska, Dean Heller of Nevada, Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, Rob Portman of Ohio, Tom Cotton of Arkansas, Corey Gardner of Colorado, Jeff Flake of Arizona, and Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania. You know people, right? We all do. Uh, all right, so a lot of them are probably Republicans, which is why we live here and not there. But uh, if you do know someone who might be on board, give them a shout. Every little bit helps. Indivisible is also asking people to stage sit-ins and die-ins. As I mentioned last week, Indivisible Whidbey is planning a sit-in. See if your group has something similar planned. And if they don't, maybe take the initiative and set one up yourself. And there you go. Let us put everything we've got into saving the ACA and stopping Trump care. And that is this week's call to action. 
And that is also it for this week's show. As always, you guys, please keep the feedback coming. I love hearing from all of you. I'm getting great suggestions for shows, topics, guests, etc. So please keep it coming. The address is WashingtonIndivisiblePod at gmail.com. Again, WashingtonIndivisiblePod at gmail.com. Also, do check out our Facebook page, which is called, naturally, The Washington State Indivisible Podcast. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative, Inc. Thank you again to my guest, Angel Padilla. Thank you also to Emily Phelps and Helen Kala at Indivisible for their help in setting this up. And thank you to you, as always, for listening. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye.